And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. At this point, it honestly feels totally unnecessary to remind everyone about the thing with the Chiefs and the weird football games. But this one, I mean, we talked about this last week. We said, could there be a primetime trap game? No, that's not going to happen. The Chiefs are way better than the Broncos. There's no chance they only score 22 points in this one or have a <laughs> touchdown that 100% should have counted but didn't count because literally nobody thought it counted until they punched the ball away. There's no way they're going to go, I don't know, 0 for 4 in the red zone but also have a great night in terms of scoring uh, defensively. There's no way all of those things are going to happen. And then they did. Welcome to Time Czars, a show about the Kansas City Chiefs' weirdest football games, which means we do two shows every week. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor <laughs> and Seth Kaiser. Nate, uh, how did you feel watching the Chiefs in all reds once again have a very strange football game? Yeah, it is one of the most unique things in the Patrick Mahomes era is that uh, – should they stop playing in all red with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, the last time <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts won a game where they scored 19 points, I believe. Uh, you know, there's the Phillip Rivers, like, you know, marching the team all the way down the field and getting the two-point conversion. I'm just saying, Chiefs fans should be thrilled that they actually won a game with Mahomes in all red. Um, now, they did beat the Cincinnati Bengals, but, like, they're the Cincinnati Bengals. What are we, we going to do? <laughs> uh, but no, nah, man, like, what a what a strange game. Like, I love I love our listeners. I just love our listeners that they're like, okay, is like, this is this when it's, like, exactly a, a weird game now? Have we entered the weird game level? And they're like, no, 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 no. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Now it's weird. And there it's it like, is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, and I guess as the czar of, the, of categorizing only weird games, uh, I officially gave it the weird game. Um, you know, label, put a star on it. Uh, look, I, I, you know, Josh, we, we, we did a justice. We did a service to Chiefs fans on Friday. We tried to tell y'all that the Denver Broncos were going to actually try to play a football game professionally <laughs> on front of, in front of a national TV audience. With a quarterback and, Seth, and everything. With a quarterback and everything. And Seth, I know you weren't here with us, but like, Dude, what a weird game. Like, <laughs> I don't think, like, I, like, I actually wrote this sentence, okay? I don't, I, like, it's it's not great podcast, but, like, I'm gonna do it anyway. Can we just, can we just take a moment to know that I, I wrote this sentence last night and was like, ugh. Like, I wrote it and was like, ugh. But, like, in the future, Hill, Tyreek Hill, can always tell people that he actually caught a 40-yard touchdown pass that wasn't a touchdown in the Chiefs' rather weird 22-16 victory over the Broncos. Like, like what? What? Just, <laughs> I'm running out of words, y'all, is what I'm it, saying. It's, uh, that's okay. I've always got words. Um, I, if someone had told me, you know, that the Chiefs would win 22-16, I would have assumed that the Broncos came in with like an awesome game plan. Mm -hmm. um, go Alex Smith. Sorry. <laughs> Watching a football game whilst recording. Um, <laughs> so I would have assumed that the, the, the Broncos came, came in with a great game plan. The thing is the chiefs moved the ball, like the whole game really easily. It's just like, they moved them with all the ease of Travis Kelsey, stiff arming a, defender into his childhood <laughs> and Back then giving him a wedgie yeah. in his childhood it was i mean that was that was yeah i know we've seen a lot of really violent stiff arms that's right up there that was like 
I just, but that's what it would look like if one of us tried to tackle Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Like people like to think maybe one out of a hundred times I could tackle. No, you couldn't. Nope. Like unless he tripped. Zero out of 100. Yeah. yeah. Or, Otherwise or, or you would just get thrown. Yeah, yeah. Or you're the guy coming from behind trying to shoelace tackle him. That That's where you want to be. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not in if front you can wipe out the shoelace. So the, the, the interesting thing is throughout that game. So Mahomes and Hill failed to connect early on on a deep throw where Mahomes put it behind Hill when he shouldn't have. But also Hill like peaked at the safety or something mm-hmm. and then lost the ball. Like when, because when he looked back, he had no idea where the ball was, and so that was weird. You know, that was that was like a forty fifty yard gain that got wiped away. Um, then of, of course you have the touchdown that wasn't, and then you've just got all these failures in the red zone, and not just the red zone, but like it's like guys, we got the ball in the two, we can't score. Like it's frustrating, and so the the big thing that I think everyone needs to ask themselves today is. Is this a pattern or is it just a weird couple games as the Chiefs figure out what they can and can't do in the red zone or in short yardage situations? Because it wasn't just on the goal line. There were other short yardage situations. And and the funny thing for me, probably this morning that just like goes along with the weirdness, is that the Chiefs put up 22 points and won. A game in which, even though it was relatively close, they... Did you worry at any point during that game they were going to lose? I didn't. I, I was I at like a 7 out of 10 at one point. I remember tweeting that. I don't remember exactly what point it was, but I didn't feel good. I wasn't. I didn't have fun. I never would have bet on the Broncos, but I wasn't <laughs> having a good time. Yeah, it wasn't like the first quarter against the Bucks or like the last time they played the Broncos mm-hmm. or the Jets game. Yeah. Or, it, I totally get that. Even though like, the Panthers feel... game was kind of fun, you know, like it was oh, kind of Panthers, wacky. The Panthers game is, is is the most fun I've had all season outside of maybe Ravens game because it was just it was a it was a blizzard of an outcome. But yeah, yeah, in terms of back and forth, where both teams felt like they had a legitimate chance to win, I think the Panthers right. game is the most enjoyable. Um, this was not fun. Like, no, this wasn't fun. What? <laughs> and I think that's where. I've noticed when games aren't fun, people look for someone to blame. Mm -hmm. And we've reached kind of this weird dynamic with Mahomes and the offense that like we, even if if they're the the unit that didn't perform as well, which was true this game, Mm -hmm. defense gave up 16 points. Mm -hmm. Like defense played a pretty good game. Now, Drew Locke is not a good quarterback, which certainly helped. But, like, in my mentions, and I really got to stop basing the feelings of Chiefs fans off of Twitter. Yeah. Because that's a bad idea. That's like if I were to judge humanity based off Twitter, you know, I'd slingshot the earth into the sun. Can you and do that? <laughs> sure, why not? You're way more I think I, I think I've on Twitter time. somewhere that you can. Can you, can you please not, though? <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, still prefer yeah. that you didn't, personally. <laughs> Did you? I'd rather you didn't. I mean, people were, like, really mad about the defense. And it was so bizarre to me. So I, I had to stop watching the game like midway through. So I had to pause it. And I went back and watched it later at like one in the morning. And I, I never had a doubt they were going to win. But the whole time I was like, man, this game is just weird. They're moving the ball like nobody's business. And they're getting to the red zone. And suddenly it's just like, we forgot how to football, guys. This isn't good. <laughs> and so it was just a weird game. People are mad at the defense. I understand they still aren't getting as much pressure as we'd like to see, which everyone's talking about this like that's some new issue. Weren't we talking about this like three or four weeks ago? Is this yeah, but we were ahead of the curve, though, to just yeah, pat ourselves like squarely we on the yeah. back. I, I feel so like smart. we were talking about it relatively early in the yes. year, and then people started we're jumping so on board with the Bucks game. We're, we're, we're so much prettier and smarter than everyone we're, we're prettier, we're smarter, we're trendsetters, we're go-getters, we're the standard that everyone else is just trying to reach up halfway to. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so preach it. Preach it. Let them, let we're, them we're know. like the Travis Kelsey of podcasts. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I would take that 100%. I'd, be, I'd take being the Travis Kelsey of literally anything. Um, I, uh, a couple of things here that I do want to mention kind of, kind of big picture things that don't really matter, but the fact that it doesn't really matter is part of the story. Uh, we, we said, you know, it's 22 points, which means this is the second lowest scoring game uh, of the Patrick Mahomes era. They scored 13 in that loss against the Colts. So there were these two streaks, both before the Colts game and after the Colts game, where they never scored fewer than 23 points. They were wearing all red in both games. 
that those have to go away. They also don't look that good. I I believe this wholeheartedly. You guys can you can tweet me by DMing at Real MN Chiefs fan. Uh, but now their streak, you know, is just never going under twenty two points since the Colts game. But you just you expect the Chiefs are going to score twenty three points as an absolute floor. They missed that mark by uh, by one point. Just something that's kind of it's going to change one of our favorite and, fun stats. You know, one one thing is, and this has happened a couple other games because you know points include defensive points, so it's an imperfect way of gauging the uh, the the offense. But who cares? Because we do it for everyone else, so we're going to do it for the Chiefs too. Mm-hmm. Had Frank Clark in one of the better plays Frank Clark made on the night not knock down a pass, yes. Dan Sorensen yes. was taking that for six, and it was going to be a mirror image of his pick the last time they played because Drew Locke was about to throw that right into a sprinting Dan Sorensen, totally. and he was gone. Like, and, and I mean, Clark, obviously, you got to make the play at the line of scrimmage. You knock the pass down if you can. It was a really nice veteran play. But you know Dan Sorensen afterward was like, man, I – wanted it him was to right throw there. that. Oh, yeah. it was right was, there. It was right there. And so it's just, that's another, it's just a game where little things, and this is a really good lesson about football and, and trying to project what's going to happen next in football. Little random events dictate the outcomes of games by and large, unless you're the Chiefs, in which the fact that you have Patrick Mahomes dictates the outcome. So even if you have all these little random events go wrong, you still probably win. So, you know, yay us, right? That's great. But football is such a small sample size game where there's, you know, like 60 plays and some of and big plays are so important. Right. And so you a game turns on just a few plays. And so I, I just it's just so crazy how close that game was to being like a 35 point Chiefs blowout, I guess is what right. I'm saying. Yeah. And and it wasn't <laughs> right. If you add the two touchdowns that were, you know possibly to be put on the scoreboard had had NBC's cameras in the live feed replay system because Andy Reid acknowledged both today had NBC's cameras been not on such a delay in Kansas City time based on their trucks and had the live feed not been on a delay because of a prime time you know you got a lot of camera angles available to you uh, there was a chance for them to maybe look at the replay and challenge the you know the forty yard pass that Tyreek Hill actually caught. Um, I think it's a completely different game if Tyreek Hill actually earns his six points <laughs> on the scoreboard. <laughs> and you know I, I agree with the referees that Nick Allegretti did hold on the forty eight yard touchdown pass. But had that you know not happened, <coughs> the game would be I think very different as well. So right. that's twelve points. We assume Harrison Bucker, who's really gotten back on track, makes both extra points. That's now fourteen points. That that is such a wide difference, and it can and it changes honestly everything that the Broncos can do in their own you know playbook, dependent upon the score and the circumstances and where they are on the field. So. Um, it's a great metaphor for life, Seth. You know, we're all just one play away and these little things, man, they matter in the, in the end of the score. One play away for sure. I even forgot about the, the holding penalty, which was, I I do think it was holding. I think it was (laughs) holding is one of those plays where it calls where, I mean, it just happens. It's like a legal contact. You know, you just got to make a call there. I wish they hadn't called it for obvious reasons, but I forgot. I mean, between, so you got that, you got Hill's touchdown that wasn't, which just on a side note, I swear I'm not just saying this with the benefit of hindsight. I swear, like during the play, I was like, yeah, but he caught it, right? Like, didn't that bounce onto him? Like, as I was, I felt like I was taking crazy pills as they were like, oh, incomplete. And they were going back. They were starting to punt. I was like, but. But he caught it. And I mean that like after I just saw the broadcast. Before right. the replays, I was like, didn't that bounce right onto him? Right. And, and, and I you, assumed it didn't, right. I guess. The, yeah, the two takeaways are the ball never touches the ground, which you which you also see in live time, even from the press box from where I was last night. And then you see the defender, A.J. Boye, rip the ball out. And you're like, huh, why would he need to do that? Yeah. If that it, was the only thing that raised my eyebrow. But this, I mean, Andy Reid talked about this after the game, and a lot of people were very mad online as this was happening. And I totally get it because yes. you see them punting as you're realizing, oh my God, that's a touchdown. But the uh, the, the funny thing, you know, was Andy Reid talking about that after the game? Like, he was kind of chuckling through the answer of like, well, I've never had a receiver come over to the sideline and tell me he dropped the touchdown. Like, that right. just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. 
And that certainly never happens for Tyreek Hill, who would, I believe, tell Andy Reid politely but firmly on the sideline, coach, I believe I've caught this touchdown pass. I think that's how he would say it. Like, I would, I would just say, like, I know they said, like, the replay guy didn't get there quick enough. I, I know Andy Reid was kind of like, ha, you know, but I can just tell you that, um, we all know Andy Reid is like, he's, he's competitive. And I'm assuming someone was spoken to there. <laughs> but now, to be fair, Andy's got to speak to himself too. And he's, a, he's hard on himself. But like, after a dropped, touchdown in which it's even remotely close you don't need to punt the ball with like 25 seconds left on the play clock like because they punted quick so i actually think this is the other thing is i've seen this in two different places one spot i saw someone say that there was nine seconds on the play clock but it felt very very fast because we were watching the the uh, madness unfold in real time i think and i think it was nick jacobs that went through and said he counted 31 seconds or somewhere right right around there from Mm -hmm. the also it's a play deep downfield so you have to come all the way back right and mm-hmm. we're watching the replay and stuff so it felt like at the time it felt like they were literally rushing the punt team which is something i've never seen before um that was yeah it was absolute madness yeah and they should have, and, and someone should have seen it but i also very much understood by the end of things being like well the thing that would usually have me wait tell the punt team to slow down and i put my my hand in my pocket where the challenge flag is would be the receiver saying hey i think i got that on the bounce and you you saw Tyreek Hill but you saw him bounce up and clap his hands at it cuz he was frustrated that he had dropped it yeah and one of the weird ripple effects in all of this is that it will actually make statistically um non facts like it's a, it's a statistical error Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> the 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 Broncos blitzed on that play, but in the box mm-hmm. score it says that it's it's not a third down completion. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want defensive coaches to realize just because Vic Fangio got away with something that he had no business getting away with, don't That's you right. dare blitz seven players against Patrick Mahomes or Tyreek Hill is on the plus side of the field. Like, well, and, and there's there's some blame there also on Hill. He he tried to breadbasket instead of just high point. Like you remember, um, I'm trying to just remember. Like I, I don't know, one of Hardman's, a couple of Hardman's touchdowns that have been down the field like that, where he just puts his hands up in the air and kind of high points it, even as he's running. Whereas whereas Hill really likes to breadbasket. He's got great hands, but he prefers to catch underhanded and and cradle into his body. And because he wanted to do it that way, he had to like. I mean, it was a heck of a jump, but like, had he just put his hands up? I don't think he needs to go through all that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, he think, and he mistimed his jump by like a fraction of a second. Yeah. Because he's he's because he, the ball's hitting him as he's also sort of, you know, coming off the apex of his jump. It's because I wrote that he's wide receiver one last week and everyone's just determined to make me look stupid if they get a chance. <laughs> That's why we let you talk so much. Hmm. Well, that seemed uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. It probably was. That's totally fair. I was. I was just upset that I didn't get to my second larger point of the of the game that doesn't really matter. That I thought was kind of interesting, and then we can get into even more of the nitty gritty. The Chiefs clinched a playoff spot, and not only did oh, nobody yeah. care, Tyron Matthew <laughs> didn't know. He didn't know that they had clinched a playoff spot until someone from the esteemed local media corps said, "Hey, so you've clinched a playoff spot," and he was like, "Really? Oh, all right." Nice. That's good to know. Which I don't. I don't think that there's a whole lot to dissect in all of that. I just think it's kind of fun to to acknowledge among a bunch of other things that are, that have been happening around this team now for the last. I mean, the last twelve months, especially. There's just a. I mean, there's a, a standard now where they just clinched. They just clinched a playoff spot after they, eleven games. Right. And like they just clinched a playoff spot in the first week of December and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I mean, we kind of thought that would probably happen. We've lost one game this year, so that makes sense. Anyway, we'll probably get AFC West champion hats like next week. Don't buy those because they're going to have AFC champion hats and then maybe Super Bowl hats like a month later. So don't don't sweat it. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And and I I was going to I was going to raise that point, Josh, the idea that like by winning last night, they basically wrapped up the division as well, Um, despite the Raiders trying to. uh, Whew, man, good good for the Raiders. <laughs> like, despite the Raiders being like, oh, we have to go to New Jersey and like win the game? We just don't go there and they just give us the victory? But I thought they were tanking. 
We got to play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, they're not. They don't want to win. So why do we have to do any? We have to play the whole all 60 minutes. But but Listen, like, yeah, this is ridiculous. but they don't want they don't want the victory, sir. I, OK, I guess we're going to have to play. As I as I as I tweeted right after the game, it just goes to show that if you give Derek Carr 15 chances to beat the worst team the NFL <laughs> has seen in the last decade, he's going to make you pay eventually. That's just, you know, that's just a fact. Derek Carr just cannot figure out who he is, and that seems frustrating on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> that felt uncalled for. That felt rude. <laughs> You're going to get blocked, Seth. Just, oh, just you are going to get blocked. Keep, That's keep, true. You know, keep, keep it up, sir. See what happens. Uh, Have I gotten blocked by Derek Carr yet? Let me see. <laughs> but, yes, the AFC West is 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 essentially won by the Chiefs. Um and uh, that won't that won't that won't raise any eyebrows. That won't make anybody feel good either, Josh. Because that's where we are, twenty twenty. <laughs> like, oh, we're we're AFC West champs. Oh, okay, that's cool. But like, who we playing in the playoffs? I just followed mm-hmm. Derek Carr. I've not been blocked by him yet. I'm not. I'm not tagging guys, you know. And that's not my style. So I, I think at least he's not like searching his own name. We're we're clear so far. So far, it's early. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You know, I think even last year, like they win the AFC West and we the show probably started with the Chiefs are AFC West champions. They yeah. clinch their playoff spot. You know, eventually they get the, the, the first round by with the two seed and all that stuff. And this year it literally I mean, it was a literal afterthought. It just yep. um, kind of a fun barometer. No, that is that is a really that's a great point, just because I remember the joy in New England, when Andy Reid showed everybody, hey, the West is not enough shirts because yeah. we won the AFC West. And they had just beaten Tom Brady. They had just beaten the Patriots. It was like, man, the defense, you know, held it down in the final minutes. Bashar Breeland obviously had the great uh, pass breakup on Julian Edelman. And this year, it's just like, well, I mean, God, thank God that game's over against the pesky little Broncos. And uh, who we got next? <laughs> who we play next? Huh? Miami? All right, cool. What we we you're telling me we're in the playoffs? Huh. All right. I mean, it's just it's so different. The standards changed. I mean, it's everyone knew they were going to make the playoffs this year, and I think what we're seeing now is the difference between a team that was a perennial playoff contender, which they were, right? I mean, under Andy Reid, they made the playoffs pretty much every year, except one. Yep, except for one. And but the difference between being a playoff contender and a Super Bowl contender, if you're a Super Bowl contender, there's an assumption you're going to make the playoffs. And they've reached the point now, and I think this might actually color into something that we talked about a little last week in, like, in terms of like some of the anger you see some fan- from fans when they're less than dominant and stuff. The expectations have changed. Like when the Chiefs don't score a touchdown on a drive, <laughs> I am upset. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was upset a lot last night because I was like, man, guys, like what? I mean, it's like you're you're closer to the end zone. Should be easier, which is not good analysis, just FYI. Um, but it, it just the expectations have changed completely. And it's just a reflection on how good the team is that it's supposed to be in any given Sunday thing, but now it's disappointing if the Chiefs don't blow out division rivals. 
which is wild in December, no less. Like this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't October anymore. Like the division, like the NFL's, like aren't division games supposed to matter in December? Like aren't they supposed to be like <laughs> close and competitive and like intriguing and like you know supposed to give us big you know what TV ratings? And the, and the, and the Chiefs fans are like, but yeah, but we supposed to win by thirty, dog. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> Tusk KC yep. Lucent yep. is how I'm gonna pronounce that word out loud from here on out. That's. <laughs> It took me a, a it took me a long time to figure out. All right, I think the best I can do is Tusk KC Lusa, yeah, but that's that's but all like, I got. But that's that's where we are. Like, yeah. hey, I, you know, I mean, the Broncos are just. I mean, look, I Broncos aren't a terrible. They're team, not just a terrible a team. Note. With with like when they actually have a quarterback, and Drew Locke isn't a good quarterback, but he is a NFL quarterback, <laughs> like. I mean, you know, and so they had just beat a pretty good Miami team. Mm-hmm. You know, they had just, this isn't like, that. that's the thing is people act every week when the Chiefs play a team that's not good or that's average. People act like they're playing the Jets and there's only one Jets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there, there's hey, only even, one. Even the Jaguars are like, yeah, we ain't them, dog, but we ain't yeah. them. <laughs> they beat the Seahawks. Former NFL MVP frontrunner Russ Wilson Seahawks. So are you saying that Russ cooked some ramen noodles yesterday? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's not besmirch ramen noodles. Ramen noodles made correctly are tasty. Well, they weren't correct yesterday. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yesterday, the ramen noodles got left in for a little too long. He put, they like, the styrofoam out. cup also in, like, a pot of boiling water. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Shout out shout out to the Giants who were like, hey guys, does anybody recognize that we're, we might be getting better? Hey, hey, we're like yeah. we're like a team now. <laughs> yeah, someone pay attention to us, please. Franchise quarterback Colt McCoy, yeah. <laughs> Colt McCoy! <laughs> But it is, it just, what happened to Russ Wilson, and then, like, if you take, for example, you know, Aaron Rodgers, because right now the MVP is a two-man race, right? Yes. You got Mahomes and Rodgers. Yes. And anyone saying anything else, it's like, you're not being honest with yourself. Unless, 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 unless you want to say Aaron Donald, because do you yeah. guys watch what Aaron Donald does on a weekly basis? Yeah, it's it's not great. <gasps> it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> like if you're an opponent, listen. It's it's, it's Mahomes, it's Mahomes, Rodgers, and then whatever quarterback won a good game that week. So right now it's Baker Mayfield. Previously, Derek Carr. <laughs> uh, what, come on, no one's saying Baker Mayfield. Derek, somebody tweeted about Baker Mayfield, and then became a whole thing. Uh, listen, oh, if the Titans, not... if the Titans win next week, maybe it'll be Derek Henry. You know, it's gonna be got to get somebody in there right, though. Right. What separates Mahomes, he just, he doesn't have bad games. Like, even last night, like, they didn't finish in the red zone, but, like, that wasn't really his fault. Like, that throw to Hill that that was a touchdown but wasn't, that was a great throw. Mm -hmm. Like, he even, I mean, he even, like, down the stretch, he had a throw to Travis Kelsey that Kelsey kind of let slip through his hands. Mm -hmm. That was unbelievable. Like, on the move. Right. He, He played a really good game. And I think that's the biggest thing. If I were to underscore, you know, okay, we lost the streak, and now the Chiefs have the two longest streaks in NFL history of 23 points or or more in a row, and it's literally the two segments that got interrupted of the Patrick Mahomes era. That's insanity. And it's worth appreciating, even though the Chiefs aren't great every night, Patrick Mahomes sure is. The only part of some of the Chiefs' issues that I think are Patrick Mahomes' fault, Seth, or the fact is the fact that his kneecap isn't as structurally sound, at least in theory, as we would like for it to be. Because then maybe the quarterback sneaks would come back into the picture. And I'm, I'm maybe they should. Like <laughs> you want to tell Andy Reid they should? I'm not gonna do it. You feel free. You can write him a letter. Send it to one arrowhead <laughs> drive. Brady has done more quarterback sneaks. Like at a certain point, it's, they, like it's here's never the deal: if they're gonna say it's oh, never we, gonna we, happen. It's never happening. We can't do sneaks, but we can do options around yeah. the edge. Yeah, yeah. Because no quarterback ever gets obliterated running the option. No, he can he can throw down a juke. He can he can plant on that knee and and try to shake somebody, but don't. He's never sneaking in it again. I'm not telling you it's good logic. I'm just telling you that's true. No, that you're you're not wrong. I don't see it happening anytime soon, and so yeah, I I just they they got to figure out something though. I I would think, and and that's actually what I'm researching this week, at least initially. I want to find out how bad the short yardage stuff is because if I recall earlier this year, we were talking about how much better they were in the red zone than they were most of last year. Yep. Can I can I just can I just do the NFL films voiceover? <clears throat> 
And in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, yes. Andy Reid looked at his play sheet and ran a play few thought he would ever run on fourth and goal from the inch yard line with a victory in his hands. A quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> that, folks, is the only time when they're ever running the quarterback sneak. And Nate, can I tell you, I was thinking that exact same thing. You delivered it much better than I was going to. Can I tell you that what, though? I, and you, you guys feel free to tell me if you disagree on this. I'm not sure I would run a quarterback sneak, not because of Patrick Mahomes' knee, but because that play means the offensive line has to get, like, a foot of push. <laughs> and that's just not happened. Like, the the little, like, yeah. uh, Mahomes in motion, Le'Veon Bell direct snap thing, that was pretty much as close as I thought they were going to get to having a, a play that is virtually, uh, it's not a quarterback sneak, obviously, but kind of a quarterback right. draw at that point, mm -hmm. I guess. Not really a draw, just a run. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's Le'Veon Bell instead of Mahomes. Because that way you leave Mahomes on the field and you don't go full Jacoby Brissett, you know, coming in to run the sneak or whatever. And that play didn't work. And that play wasn't like it, it didn't it didn't feel good. Watching that didn't feel very good. It, it didn't feel like that was something that was supposed to work because the interior offensive line is not going to get that push very often. So this so this proves a a minor point that I didn't make in the Ferrari right red zone cutups of them scoring touchdowns in a creative manner. Part of it is because it's really fun and because you can do it. The 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 section in the playbook of we can do this just because we can do this. In light of that, you're also doing it because you kind of know you can't really line up an I formation and just bully somebody. Yeah. So mm -hmm. creativity is by a function of a necessity to get creative. Now, yeah. you are the best at being creative in the entire NFL. No one's debating that. So you should accentuate that as a strength while also quietly acknowledging we wouldn't be running so many of these plays if we could just get up in that eye formation, lead draw through the beat gap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, and that's just it. I mean, there there's a lot of ways in which football is complicated, but the closer you get to the end zone and the more the field shrinks – it gets simpler in a lot of ways, right? Your your possibilities change. You can't stretch the field. A lot of the things that the Chiefs do that stress defenses out horizontally and vertically are a little less dangerous on the goal line. You can still stretch defenses horizontally, but it's not the same thing. Tyreek Hill on the boundary is not as scary on the one-yard line as it is on you know the 50 because you know that you can just press him and he's not going to just sprint by and make you look like an idiot. Right. I mean, he might make you look like an idiot in other ways, but it's just an entirely different scenario. And I think that what, what ends up coming down to, and this is the stuff that, you know, old school coaches have just been dying for this moment, right? Like they want this to be the Achilles heel of the Chiefs, which spoiler alert, it's not going to be. They'll figure it out. They'll have just enough creativity to finish. And also, I mean, you remember, you know, Happy Gilmore. It's like, that was so much easier than putting. I should just get the ball in there in one shot every time. The Chiefs are Happy Gilmore. <laughs> they can get it from the 50 whenever they want. And so it's like, oh, they can't always hit layups. It's like, yeah, but they can bomb threes from half court all game. So it's probably not going to matter. But that idea of you really want to be able to gain one yard when you need one yard. And I don't know what they need to do differently um, I, have a, my, I, have, I have a theory. I have a theory. Ooh. My, I want to hear your theory first because I was talking for a minute there. So, no, no, no. I didn't mean to cut you off, Seth. But, like, I floated this on Twitter last night. And I don't know how many people read it or saw it. But um, somebody was elevated from the practice squad to the active roster last night. And that man was <sighs> Stefan Wisniewski. You don't sign yes. Stefan Wisniewski and then elevate him as soon as you can. If there isn't some level of thought process as to shaking up the offensive line. The other thought, too, is, is that Mitchell Schwartz, if he's healthy, will come back. He will make your offensive line better by literally just being on the field healthy. Um, to where you, maybe you get a push more to the B and C gaps because he's there. And Mike Rimmers, not, I'm not disparaging him in any way. Been solid, consistent, like exactly what you want out of a swing tackle. He is not lost you games, i.e. Cam Irving against the Indianapolis Colts, but he has not been Mitchell Schwartz. There's a clear difference here. Um, 
more people are starting to realize too that maybe come January, Daniel Kilgore is a better run blocker than Austin Ryder. These are the facts. We have to acknowledge them. Well, and what what happens here though is who does Patrick Mahomes prefer? He has a more Mm -hmm. he has a long relationship. He has better chemistry, and if you want to keep running them counters, them counter, them counter motions, Patrick. Only one guy can do that. That man's Austin Ryder. But you do give up the ability to push in the interior the way you could have if Daniel Kilgore, when healthy, is available. So it's going to be a question for Mahomes, Biennemi, and Andy Reid. Who do you value? The the guy that can keep you as creative as possible? Because... Man, I am I am incredibly impressed by what Austin Ryder can do on these plays because they haven't he hasn't he hasn't botched one yet when they do something that is completely off script or unconventional. But you are giving up something because Daniel Kilgore is a more traditional center. That that all makes sense. Um, I would think that Kilgore is enough of a veteran that he can catch on to some of the stuff that they're doing, and it it I don't think it's a coincidence that their best games. Running the ball, which, mm-hmm. you know, running the ball shouldn't be what moves the needle for the Chiefs. And we've been over this ad nauseum. Right. But that one yard matters. And it's become very clear whether it's Bell, who's a bigger guy than CEH, right? And that didn't matter, right? CEH is more explosive. Got great wiggle. That hasn't mattered on second and one, third and one. Second and one's been fine, generally speaking. But, you know, that third and one or fourth and one or the goal line. It really is about run blocking in those situations, and that's just been the issue. And if you can't get it going along the interior, you got to figure out someone who can. And I do think that if you combine Wisniewski with Kilgore, I think you're going to get better results because I think Nick Allegretti has been all right. I think Ryder and Wiley have struggled. Yep. And I also think, you know, you talk about just run blocking. I think Kilgore might be a better pass protector too. And I, if Wisniewski's healthy, he was much better in pass protection than Wiley was last year. Yes, and w- which is why Wiley never got back on the field, even though he was healthy for the playoffs. Right. So I I can kind of debate back and forth as to like, I, I've seen snaps where Austin Ryder has looked pretty good in pass protection, but obviously I've seen snaps where, you know, there's some slippage there. I, I don't know if we have a big enough sample size, but we have a longer career of Daniel Kilgore to suggest that, hey, some people have let him pass block for long durations of a football game. So you would give him the benefit of the doubt. It it honestly just comes down to what creativity do you want to gain with the simplistic stuff that you want to give and vice versa. I, I think that's ultimately become what it comes down to in, at the center. And I would think at this point in the year, Kilgore knows most of the protection calls with Patrick Mahomes. Like, like they've been practicing mm-hmm. – enough through this he's been with the team essentially since the end of training camp like we're in december now so that's not an issue anymore i would think um that would differentiate kilgore and Ryder. um but i i would have to think that wasnuski is either going to replace wiley or allegretti and again we didn't know anything about nick allegretti until (laughs) until the buffalo bills game okay so You've gotten the production out of him that you want. You could also get better at that. That is the GM's job. The GM went out and got a player who has more service, who is more experienced, and who is better right now in their career than Nick Allegretti. That's I'm just stating the facts. And if and if right. the change happens, this is why. Um, yep. So just keep that in mind. The offensive line that you saw last night may not be the offensive line that plays in January. Well, and Seth, earlier you mentioned that you know it seemed like they were they were better at it, the goal to go situations in the red zone and short yardage. Nate, you you wrote about some of the trickery. You know, we talked about this on thing on Friday a couple weeks ago. You wrote about it. Um, I, I think the, the the biggest thing, the difference between what they've done these last couple of games and where they were a few weeks ago, was that a lot of those trick plays were working. Yeah, and the the two most memorable goal line attempts over these last two games were the Travis Kelsey pass that wasn't. Uh, I mean, it was oh. a pass, but it was incomplete. Still hurts. And, and then you get the, the Tyree Kill like stretch boundary run that, that doesn't, I mean, that is immediately moving backwards because you've got, got Broncos immediately coming in there. Uh, I, I imagine that that's kind of where the difference is. I, I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on this because this is obviously one of the biggest topics out of the, this game in, in the last couple. If, if you're not making moves at the offensive line or if the offensive line isn't 
if that doesn't end up really moving the needle in terms of of uh, gold to go situations, the one thing that I have preferred, generally speaking, is I'd like Patrick Mahomes to have. I don't know. Maybe you try to run it once, but then three or four chances, at least two or three legit chances for Patrick Mahomes to probably move around and yes. also have all the options back there. I'm not where, in my head. Good. Extremely, this is great. Yes. I'm glad we're on the same page because here, here's what I would like in the red zone. And listen, whenever the trick plays work, that's great. If you want to run one of those on second down, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is going to get not one, but, but two, two tries after yes. that on third and fourth yep. down because we're... I know that they moved back on that Tyree kill run, but the Chiefs settled for for four field goals. Uh, they were over four in the red zone, and the touchdown came from like the twenty one yard line, I think. Um, so that that stat stays at zero and four. They end up with five field goals on the on the day, but. You, you give Patrick Mahomes the ball, you give him an opportunity to move around and for him to make the choices within the, the structure of the play or certainly, you know, out of the structure of the play, but you, you give him choices that are built in there that also includes, oh, hey, pass protection held up for a second. There's a little gap there. I'm going to go ahead and jog it in because there's no issue with Patrick Mahomes running the ball as we've been over. It's just the mechanics of the sneak and the pile that I think have kind of spooked Andy Reid, maybe Mahomes, maybe Clark Hunt. I have no idea, <laughs> but but somebody doesn't like the sneak. You you give Mahomes four, you give the offense four chances in short yardage like that, and you give Mahomes as many of those opportunities as possible. That's what I would like to see different in terms of the, the goal-to-go situations, where if you think you can get pushed somewhere, you want to bring in Anthony Sherman for one of those plays, give it a shot, that's fine. But know that you really have four chances to score down there, and and give Patrick Mahomes as much authority in those situations as possible. That's what I'd like to see yep. if we're going to find changes that aren't in the line. Nate, I'm, I'll go to you first because it sounds like you agree with me, and that really puts you in first place here. <laughs> I completely agree just because what did we see last night, particularly on third down late in the fourth quarter where Mahomes, where Mahomes wanted to move the ball and move the change? He, he okay, the structure doesn't work for two seconds. I'm going to make something up, y'all. And like yep. – most times it, it ends up working in your favor. Now the field is condensed, of course, when you're in the red zone versus you know the middle of the field. But um, there's a ton of plays that I can just reference in my own mind where you know Demarcus Robinson against Seattle, uh, the touchdown pass that Patrick Mahomes had again in all red uniforms against the, the Chargers, where wait, 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 Bosa, hey, come, come hold me, come hug me. Actually, there goes mm-hmm. a touchdown. Um, there was a play this year against the Raiders where Patrick Mahomes, within the framework of the offense, doesn't work, scrambles to his right. Oh, there's Sammy Watkins within two defenders. It's a touchdown. And then, of course, Sammy Watkins, like, you know, pulled his hamstring on the next series. But, you know, there are enough samples where you have the ability to either roll him in one direction and then he can always roll out to the next one if it's not there. And it's just hard, even in a tight 10-yard space that is the end zone. It's hard for DBs to cover guys for four to five seconds. So if you give Mahomes that option two out of the four downs in the goal-to-goal situation, I'm pretty sure the statistical odds are in your favor. Um, and I think my last point, and I would push this to Seth, is based on what we saw against a divisional opponent in a rematch, they basically just held plates for January, right? This is the first sign where they were like, no, let's not actually show that yet, is what I is what I assume. You know, they, they did try a few creative things on the goal line and they didn't work. Um But it wasn't the it wasn't the like top shelf. It wasn't the final form yeah. of the formation and whatnot. Yeah. I would say that I, I think you're you're largely right. Although I would say you know that pitch to to Hill, not pitch, but the 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 sweep yes. to Hill was built off previous looks, and that was that was a good that was a good look. I just think that it's tough when they know you can't right get now. Yes. yes, yeah, it's kind of like so. Let's think back to the Patriots game, okay? So the Patriots have a couple of really good. Uh, defensive tackles against the run. And going back and watching the film there, and we talked about this, the Patriots kept showing light boxes, but because their two interior guys were able to dominate the Chiefs' interior, they could show light boxes. Both of their tackles could could effectively 
overpower, not overpower, but, but occupy double teams. And so their linebackers were able to run fit really successfully. And so the Chiefs on RPOs kept running into nothing, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, okay, it's a light box. This is the correct read. But the Patriots, they did a great job of that. They took advantage of a weakness the Chiefs have. And now all teams that have even a decent interior defensive line, I think they can imitate that. They can say, okay, yeah. we know they want to be tricky on the goal line. They we know they want to stretch us horizontally. So watch for sweeps. Watch for watch for those things that get the ball to the edge. Really contain the edge. And we can win one on one and maybe even at times one on two on the interior to where we don't have to worry about getting overpowered. And I think that's gonna be problematic moving forward. I don't think they used their their best stuff. But it's, and again, I got to look at the numbers here because I'm not so sure this is an all year thing. I think the Chiefs have generally been okay in the red zone this year, Mm -hmm. better than they were last year. And it's just going to be a matter of, let's figure this out. The reason it might be more concerning to people is because you see it outside of the goal line too, on like third and two. I am genuinely, I'm at the point where like, even if they're on the 50 yard line, I'd almost rather it's third and eight because they call it differently. And so, you know, what Josh, what you kind of intimated, like I what I would really like them to start doing, you know, when it's third and two, is just call their regular offense. Mm. Call it like it's second and five. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just let Patrick do his thing because they are not able to threaten the things that you want to be able to threaten, barring improved play by the offensive line in the interior. Um an occasional created play, whether it's, you know, Bell being super patient and finding something or CEH. You know, we, we've seen a few plays, right, where Clyde will make two guys miss and manage to gain the yard. Right. But that doesn't really feel like a win, does it? Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, okay, you got the first down sort of barely and almost died doing it. Like, <laughs> that doesn't feel like a win. And it's just demonstrative. And Josh, this is something you talk about when you're talking about potential opportunity costs and that sort of thing. Running backs, especially in short yardage are highly dependent on their blocking. That's right. And they got to figure that out. And that's where I think, you know, Reed does not like switching things up along the line. We've seen that. And that's one reason, remember last year, it took a while for Wisniewski to get on the field. He played in, I can't, I'm trying to remember how it went. It was, I think he played snaps in one game and then was off for a while and then was back. Yeah, he came back against the Chicago Bears, the the game that Patrick Mahomes counted to um, to 10, (laughs) and then he never left the field after that game because they dominated the Bears. Um, They came back and dominated, I believe, the Broncos, um, won against the Chargers, and then we know the rest of the history. Right, and that's it's just worth noting that he did, in the very brief time that he played before coming in like permanently— he did play a lot better than Andrew Wiley was playing at the time, but Wiley still got his spot back for a while. For for a Wiley, you could say. <laughs> can we can we give some praise to Shelby Harris? Shelby that, Harris, yes, and, and his nine foot wide hands had yeah. an incredible game, and they still he, lost. That's a dumb- he did he did some good stuff there. He messed with their RPOs a bit, and he also wasn't it Harris. Harris saved the touchdown. Yes. Yes. Because Hill was capital G gone. I mean, no one was catching him. And Shelby Harris comes like 35 yards down the field. <laughs> so good on him. That was another lost touchdown. Yeah, he had a great game. Shelby Harris had a great game. And like, Shelby Harris can have his best game and Patrick Mahomes can only throw for one touchdown and we still know the outcome. Yeah, <laughs> it's still, it, it just feels predestined. And so I, it wasn't necessarily a fun game to watch, like because at least yeah, with, like with the Bucks you had some fireworks, with the Panthers, Chiefs you had some fireworks, Raiders you had some. This was more just like, oh man, they 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 feel like they're going back and forth. It was fun to watch between the twenties for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then they just stopped, and that was frustrating because really this was a game that the Chiefs should have blown them out. Yeah, and I think that's why people are frustrated. Yep, and I, just just for clarification purposes. Was Newsy started against the Bears, and then he started against the Chargers, and then that was the end of the regular season, and then he continued on in the in the playoffs. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Short yardage is a place where you would love to be able to run the ball successfully. It's something that analytically makes sense, anecdotally makes sense. You want run the ball to get one yard on third and one. I was having a, a conversation with uh, with Rudy Salazar of eight ten, who you both have spoken to many yeah. times. Yeah. Um, hey, Rudy. I was I was tell, we were talking about like the, I saw this on Twitter a long time ago. It's like, would you spend a first round pick on a player that you knew would always, no matter the situation, would run the ball for like one and a half yards? And I was thinking, you know what? I probably there is a zero percent chance they will do anything other than get one point yeah, five yards. You're just, you're, yeah, you're just drafting consistently consistency at one specific at one specific thing. Yes. And I would really think about that, or if you had to put a value on it, I think it would probably be sneakily high because that one yard. I mean, you know, fourth and one is a first down, third and one's a first down. You just, you yep. know you're good there. I, it's kind of it's a silly but kind of a fun thought process and and that would be very very valuable the thing that in short yardage that, that Seth already mentioned it's something that I've you know mentioned many times over about running backs is that they're they're so dependent on the blocking especially in a short yard situation like that that it, it didn't it didn't really matter that that uh Clyde Edwards who was who was sick and active but didn't play by the way we haven't mentioned that theoretically everyone knows but we yes, probably yeah. know I mean, <laughs> um yeah. he was he was sick Andy Reid said he lost some weight this week he was active but didn't play he Andy Reid hates your fantasy team I don't know um but you know Clyde or Le'Veon Bell or Darrell Williams or it could have been Damian Williams it could have been Anthony Sherman whatever if the blocking's not there, it's really, really, really hard to get a yard that doesn't exist. Derrick Henry struggled to do that on a big carry for the Titans this week. I mean, the, yeah. it, it, it'll happen all over it the place. Yeah, it, it, it happens. Yeah. Yep. The only running back that I've ever watched, I mean, there's a few, but like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a really good football player. But so far, what we're seeing, he's not Jamal Charles. And no. there are, and even no. Charles, and even Charles was dependent on blocking sometimes. But I think that's one thing that people miss when they talk about running backs. And maybe even me, you know, my hope was, wow, oh, man, maybe Clyde could make some of those same things happen. Charles was a unique experience. Like, even like compared to like Kareem Hunt, who's a fantastically talented running back. I think Chiefs fans, and myself included, he's my all time favorite player. Everyone knows that. Like, I, I don't, I don't even try to hide that. Um, there are very few players that at the running back position that can make that happen with any sort of consistency. Now, the great ones can make it happen every now and then, right? They can overcome blocking sometimes, or if they have even just average blocking, they make more out of it. You know right. what I mean? That's where the value can come. But overcoming really bad blocking, you just don't see it hardly at all, except like, you know, like the Barry Sanders and the Adrian Petersons and the Walter Paytons and the Jamal Charles of the world. And yes, I include Charles with those guys. And you can kick rocks if you don't think he's one of the five most talented runners to ever play. <laughs> Come get him. Happy holidays, everybody. Hope you've had some, you know, hope you're enjoying, hope you've gotten to decorate. I hope you're having, you know, a nice warm glass of, uh, of cider or a nice cool glass of eggnog. And you can go straight to hell if you don't think Jamal Charles is... <laughs> uh, 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 I detect no lies in what you just said. <laughs> no, I just it's, you know it's, it's just it's in Third Corinthians. Look it up. Holiday, just some <laughs> spread some holiday cheer on times ours. Uh, while we're in a good mood, let's talk about the pass rush for a second. Um, uh, Nate, I know you're you're taking a look at sort of the Frank Clark experience. He talked last week, and uh, it, I believe he had a, a single pressure against the Broncos. I believe Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, tweeted yes. that Dan Sorensen and Chris Jones. Each had two pressures. A bunch of guys, including Clark, had one in the game. Um, 
there there were times when the pressure felt like it was actually affecting Locke. He actually got hit, knocked down a few times, which wasn't the case for Brady, although he got moved around a little bit more so than, let's say, Derek Carr. So, we, you know, you've got a few different ways this has gone. Um, I, I, Seth, I'll give you time to talk about Chris Jones because, again, he had some nice moments and also a couple. Yeah, games. he, he sure. even he even played against the run. I mean, Seth, I think that's probably the first time he's ever made a good play in, a, in the running <laughs> game. So, I mean, that, you know, that was nice yeah. to see. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's just amazing that, that you know, you know what? Nope, I'm not going to do it. He's I already said something kind of angry sounding about Jamal. And so I feel like I use that up for the day. That's fine. I was being, here's what I'll do. I was being extremely facetious about Chris Jones making a good run play. He does that constantly, but anyway, or does it a lot, but uh, Nate, I'll go to you first here. Cause I think it's, I think it's beyond fair at this point to say, you know, and, and Frank Clark talked about, he doesn't care about sacks and he cares more about when I understand all those things. Um, I, I think it's beyond fair at this point to say that Frank Clark has had really for the second time a very quiet a, a quiet start to to a season. Now it's much more than a start, but last year he had injury issues that we found out about after the fact. I haven't heard anything in that regard this year. Um, I also don't think it's it's fair to say that we're all talking about how his sack numbers aren't high enough. Like he's actually getting pressure at some extremely high rate. He's not. He's also not getting double teamed at an extremely high rate. Right. We have information on that stuff and on a variety of levels I, th- I think it's I think it's beyond fair at this point in the season to say that it's been a disappointing year for Frank Clark to this point yeah and here's a stat for you that completely like I don't have I don't have a true understanding as to why in the last eight games Frank Clark has how many sacks y'all I feel like he got one like six weeks ago or something I don't know I'm gonna say one it's one oh. He's played all eight games, and he's uh-huh. played all eight at his normal, what you would you know consider um, his normal snap count. So, I it's rare when you're like, I don't, I know this person, I know their sample size, I know what they're obviously being paid, and the role they're supposed to play on the team. I cannot, for the life of me, understand how he only has one sack in his last eight games, given that. He's their best pass rusher on the perimeter. Like it's just, it's it's wild. And Frank can say with confidence, and this is a fact, that what is the ultimate goal is winning a championship. The ultimate goal is being back to back champions. Um, do sacks automatically correlate to victories? Not necessarily, but like, does it does it help your defense? It clearly does. Um, and. Now, Steve Spagnuolo is trying to essentially cover for Frank in saying that we, we're, not, we're not worried about sacks. We're worried about affecting the quarterback, which is kind of what you alluded to, Josh. But you can affect the quarterback by sacking him. You, you can do that, too. So it is, it is bizarre to me. I don't feel like this is much like last year where, you know, he started telling us little by little in the locker room that, hey, man, like, I got this pinched nerve. I got the stomach issue. I, I I just don't feel right. He felt, I guess, his best and was within this understanding of the scheme of the defense at the exact moment you needed him to be great. And he was great in the playoffs. So, Frank Clark is still a good football player. But he is a prisoner of his own success from last year. And I don't know if he can fix it in time before the playoffs. Because what I watched both live last night and in the replay today, was he's still doing things at a really good level, but for whatever reason, he's not, he's just not as quick and he doesn't have as as much of that that bend as he had last year. And and Seth, prove me if I'm wrong, but it's just it's I don't know if it's gonna change, is 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 the ultimate conclusion that I'm coming to because we've just watched it for 12 games now and he's only had one sack in the last eight. Well, they also, I mean, he doesn't look as strong either. Um, And I will be, this is the second year in a row that I would say this. Go back and watch his um, Seahawks tape. Oh, it's it's like, Uh, it's like he's a superhero. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he won with, uh, he won in a lot of the same ways like you see Khalil Mack win in terms of long arms and bull rushes. And I can't remember the last time I watched him do that, like successfully. And honestly, 
if I when I look at him, he looks like he's playing a little light hmm. to me. Like he just looks a little lighter now, and that could just be my imagination. It'd be, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if we were in the locker room, and I could I could tell you with my own eyes <laughs> if this was the case. <laughs> um, and so I just I mean it's just visible that he is not when he and the offensive tackle get their hands on one another. That used to be a matchup that he would win physically. 25% of the time, which might not sound like a high number, but it is, believe mm-hmm. me, for mm-hmm. pass rushers. And now it's not, like hardly ever. Um, he's still, but here's the interesting thing. When you see him doing run blocking He's stuff, still good. Or run defense stuff, he's still chucking guys. So I I, I don't know what it is. I, it's, it's bizarre, and it's hard to point in one thing. He just looks less effective when he's hands-on. He does not look as strong. And that's what we talked about last year. He wasn't trying the same types of moves. And it turned out it was the pinched nerve. And maybe he really is. You know, maybe he's got some kind of long-term sickness where he's just not as strong as he was. I don't know. But there's something going on with him. And Spagnolo is calling the defense to cover for the fact that his only pass rusher that's winning consistently is Chris Jones. Yep. And and here's the interesting thing. A lot one thing to note, watch some of the pass rushes from last night. And Jones is being asked at times to be the setup guy for blitzes and stunts. Mm. And so the effort to get everyone involved at times takes Jones out of it. That's really now, interesting. In in theory, you should have a higher percentage of overall success doing that. You don't want just telling Jones to rush one-on-one every play. That that's not gonna work. But it is worth noting on a few snaps where they're running stunts, they're running delayed blitzes and stuff, and you see guys even kind of running into each other a little bit, which is going to happen if you blitz enough. And so it, it just it's an interesting thing as, as they're trying to get it going. Jones is not as dominant as he's been. We've seen more dominant stretches from him. But if you watch him and then watch everyone else, I, I stand by this. It's not even close looking at what he's doing versus everyone else on the line. And so that's why when everyone says, well, you know, they're all equally culpable, they all need to be better. I'm like, yeah, sort of, kind (laughs) of. Because Jones does need to be better, I think. I don't think he's been as consistently dominant, but he's still really, really good. Like really, really, really good. Now, two pressures isn't going to cut it, right? Right. Like what he had against the Broncos. And so it's just interesting, though, because the more you blitz – the more you are asking defensive linemen to set guys up, the more there's just different things going on there. And so it's just kind of interesting right now. And when teams are able to get their protection set against the Chiefs, they're going to have some problems. And that's when you live and die by the blitz. That's how it goes. And so, like, you saw Locke because Locke is not, you know, quarterback that's going to whatever, that kind of thing. But they played Brady the same way, right? They blitzed the crap out of Tom Brady. And it resulted in some big hits, but it also, with Brady and even with Locke, it resulted in some play where dudes were wide open. And that's the thing. You got to get home in two seconds when you blitz or there's trouble. So I just, I don't know what the answer is. The pass rush, and again, this is an 11-1 and team that by and large has been in control of like what? 90% of their gameplay, 95%. Of the time we're watching games that the Chiefs are controlling. We're getting a little spoiled. <laughs> they, they're an awesome, awesome team, but they're not flawless and they're not unbeatable. Right. And the best teams in the playoffs can find ways to exploit them. Now, if Mahomes and the offense go off, it's not going to matter. But you can see, like with little things like the Denver game, you see that when you're relying on your offense to be explosive – you know, the difference of two or three big plays can be the difference between a 22-point output and a 40-point output. And so hopefully they can get these other things together to where there's more margin of error or more margin for error for yes, the offense. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's just it. We're, we're grading on a scale, we're, gra- or we're grading on a curve, and, and that's... So are the Chiefs. I mean, if they weren't also grading on a curve, they would have been a little more excited about clinching a playoff spot last night. But they know that that's not the metric. And and we know that the metric isn't, you know, can you get 22 points against the Broncos and, and squeak by? We They're going to spend time talking about the red zone offense. They're trying to figure out what's going on with their pass rush. I think that's something that we um, can say with a, a decent amount of confidence. I, I think that's everything we can get to here tonight. Um, I know, Nate, you've got the, uh, the, the game day story. 
story up on The Athletic right now. You'll be writing about Frank Clark soon. Uh, Seth, I, there's something that you mentioned ahead of time, that something that I'm very, very, very excited about that uh, both of you and also Ethan have, have all worked on. And mm-hmm. I've, I, have not, I have not gotten the sneak preview yet. I got a little explanation. That'll come out, and we will spend some significant time talking about that uh, on Friday. I am very, very down for something coming there. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to theathletic.com slash timezars and make sure you're subscribed so you can read that when it comes out. Also, Seth has the Chief of the North newsletter, which you can subscribe to. Uh, the links there are in his Twitter account, which is at RealMNChiefsFan. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. I'm at JB Briscoe. I'm pretty sure that's everything, but if any of you have anything to say, do it now or forever hold your peace until Thursday. I got one more thing to say. Uh, it's... I have to I have to start. I need to I need a head coaching summit, okay? <laughs> Where before you face the Chiefs, can y'all just come call me, okay? <laughs> it's it's fourth and three from the 49 yard line, okay? Oof. Um it reminds me of one of my favorite lyrics from Fonte, who is a hip hop artist, uh one part of uh Little Big Pooh and Little Brother. And the lyric goes something like this, and I and we need to ask Vic Fangio this. I'm sure no one did, but as Fonte once said in the song Dreams, which you should go look up, it's a great, it's a great song. Um, and every now and then we gotta ask ourselves, do you really wanna win or just look good loose? <laughs> Cause what the hell are you doing putting the football with six minutes left? Top Patrick, my hoes. Do you really wanna win or just look good losing? That's a great quote. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.